This is exactly right. We know like right now our children are going to face hard times. I don't care who you are. Like there's going to be relationship issues. Somebody's going to break up with them or, you know, they're not going to, they're going to be going for some job that they didn't get. Like we're all facing difficult times, but if you have your mom and dad saying, don't worry, I'm going to love you no matter what. And you can make it through pretty much anything. Welcome to Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan. I'm Dr. Dan. This show is about making the world a more loving, accepting, and compassionate place, one parent, one person, and one child at a time. The key to raising healthy and engaged kids is for us parents to seek the same in our own lives while striving to be the best versions of ourselves each day. No matter who you are or where you came from, With increased awareness, you can be purposeful about leaving a healthy footprint for your children, your family, and all those you care about while living your own life to the fullest. Today's show is completely aligned with this purposeful living and parenting. Today's show is Legacy Letter, Leaving a Lasting Legacy on Your Child's Lives with Blake Brewer. I'm excited to introduce you to Blake. He has a powerful story that led him to his mission, which is helping a million dads take a big step toward leaving a lasting legacy on their children's lives. Blake has a wonderful wife and loves being a father to his three young children. He has several mentors and one very important one in particular, which we're going to be hearing about today. Blake, welcome to the show. Dr. Dan, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate uh, all that you do, and I've really been looking forward uh, to this time together. Likewise, this has been in the making for a while, and um, you, you've got a lot. You've got a lot to share with us, and um, let's start where um, all all of this mission and passion takes place with a profound experience that you had that's led you to where you are today. Yeah, I was 19 years old and I was on a beach in Hawaii with my family and I found uh, myself standing next to my dad and, you know, I felt like a, even though I was 19, like a little kid standing next to my dad, partly because my dad was a very large man. He was 6'3", 230. He had been drafted in uh, to the NFL uh, and he looked at me and said, man, I'm glad you're here with me and gave me a big old smile. And then we, we jumped in the water to go snorkeling. And I'll never forget that smile because it was the last smile that I was ever going to get from my dad. <sighs> and so we headed off into the water and, and ended up in an area that I now know is called Witch's Brew. And the water is uh, known for being treacherous. And it was that day. And there was a moment where I realized that I didn't see my dad anymore and we were separated. And so I started scanning the water. I ended up seeing him and he uh, was treading water, but I could tell that he wasn't doing well. And my dad had this big, deep, booming voice, but uh, he yelled for help and it was more like a whimper. And so I did my best to swim to my dad as quickly as I could. But by the time I got there, my dad was underneath the water and he was unconscious. And so you can imagine the thoughts that were going through my mind. And Mm -hmm. I just knew I had to get my dad to shore as quickly as possible. So I put my arms around him and started swimming with him to shore. Um, some nearby snor- snorkelers showed up, a lifeguard showed up and helped get my dad to shore. And 
they started doing CPR to my dad and I knew that surely this was going to be just like the movies where, Mm -hmm. um, my dad was going to come to his eyes were going to open up and the water was going to come out of his mouth and it never happened. And so my dad ended up drowning that day. And so at that point I was just in total shock and Mm -hmm. you know, what the heck just happened? How am I going to make it without my dad? And so then it was a few hours later after we had already gone to the hospital and seen my dad one last time. Um, I had made phone calls back to uh, my dad's parents who were devastated. My dad's, I was the oldest son, so I was making all these phone calls and phone calls I never thought I'd have to make. Mm -hmm. And then I'm in the, the back bedroom of this condo and I'm sitting there at the edge of the bed, still reeling. And my mom appeared in the doorway and she said that she was going through my dad's briefcase and found something that he was going to give me on, on the trip. I had no idea what she was talking about, but she walked across the room and handed me these sheets of paper. And at the top, it says, dear Blake, Natalie, and Marcus. And she said, for the last several months, your dad has been writing a letter to you and your siblings. Here's your copy. And so I had no idea that he had done this. And my dad had no idea that when he was writing these letters that he uh, was going to die and that this was going to be his last words to me. Um, And so I'm reading this letter and it was everything I needed at that moment. Um, Mm -hmm. Just to even know that my dad took the time to write this letter uh, for me, I felt so loved. Mm -hmm. And then... Uh, my dad wrote the last line of this letter, and I, I believe only God could have allowed my dad to write this. But he said, as you're being faithful to God, you're often going to find yourself in the minority here on earth. But I assure you that in heaven, you'll be in the majority. Love your dear old dad. And I was thinking, man, I am going to see my dad again. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see a smile again. And so my dad's uh, letter gave me the confidence to really make it through that time, gave me the hope, gave me the direction. And really for the next year of my life, as I was still grieving, um, my dad's letter allowed me to, to get through that. And, uh, and, and so for the last 19 years, uh, my dad's words have still been guiding me as I've got married and have kids now and started my career. So hmm. that's my, that's, that's my story. Was it, I, I mean, the, the grief, the shock, it's un, um, I would say unimaginable. It's like, it's palpable and yet unimaginable at the same time. Um, that, that letter, how, it lifted you. I mean, how, you, can't, you can't get around grief, right? I mean, you can't get around grief. How did right. that letter impact grief or support you through it? Yeah, well... It gave me hope. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just my dad's perspective on life is that it doesn't end the, the moment that you die. Mm-hmm. And so as he spoke about heaven and then uh, it really put into perspective my time here on earth, like it's going to go by quick. And so I really, the time that I'm here, want to live for things that really matter. I want to, for the things that matter to God. And so, and, and I want to serve people. Um, and so uh, I, I think that, and then just knowing um, man, my dad loved me and just, Mm. uh, having that thought and that confidence, you know, my dad would not have wanted me like that, that event to just like ruin 
like the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, it wouldn't honor my dad's legacy. Like if, if that was my, like, if it just, you know, sank me and that was it. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I had to go through the whole grieving process for sure. And there was Mm -hmm. great people in my life and there was, I had not cried a lot in my life. And I found Mm -hmm. would find myself as I I went back to college, I would, I would cry myself to sleep almost every night Mm -hmm. just thinking about it. And then as you can imagine, I would start to have these thoughts of, man, was this my fault? Like, like we wouldn't have gone out there that deep if, if my dad had just gone out by himself, he wouldn't have gone out that far. Mm-hmm. Or is there things I could have done to like save my dad? Like, could I have held him differently mm-hmm. as I was trying to get him to shore? But really my dad's just the letter just kind of protected me from having those thoughts and going too far down that, yeah. that trail. And so I, I really never felt any like, Oh, mm-hmm. this is my fault. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you say, for those listening who have lost, it's totally, na- it's completely natural to um, look at oneself, right? And uh, to in trying to make sense of that. So I'm glad that you had some protection there with the letter. I, um, in reading about your dad, and um, you know, for those of you who don't know the story, um, best friends and roommates with Terry Bradshaw um, at Louisiana Tech, and I got, you know. Uh, sports fans know uh, Terry Bradshaw. We know his personality. And so from what I read about your dad, I had the sense that they're this nice compliment to each other. Your dad, the pictures of him, he just seems like calm, grounded, went on to serve people through a biz, uh, CEO of a hospital, um, also of a, um, you know, a faith-based man, uh, all, you know, on the weekends practicing, all in life practicing. Tell us this a little bit about, you know, what he was like. Well, yeah, if you think about Terry Bradshaw and the big personality that he has, my yeah. dad was not Terry Bradshaw in that <laughs> yeah. sense. Yeah. Uh, now, if you read, um, you know, Terry Bradshaw's biography and you can see some of the fun things that they did uh, in college, they had a good time for sure. But my dad was definitely more of an introverted uh, mm-hmm. guy and, you know, he wasn't quick to just like share his feelings. Um, and even, you know, the fact that he was Terry Bradshaw's tied in, like he was very humble about that. He was, oh, there's a lot of people that didn't even know that about him. Now I told everybody that was like yeah. my claim to fame, you know, my dad's, yeah. you know, yeah. Terry Bradshaw's tied in. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, he, he was definitely more of a quiet guy. And so he wasn't even the type of guy you know, I wasn't, when I was reading this letter, I wasn't necessarily surprised that he did it, but it's not like something he did all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, it, and I didn't have another letter from him. And so I don't know what, you know, sparked my dad to write that letter, um, or who gave him the idea. And I wish I could meet that person. Um, I'm so grateful um, that they did. Yeah. And I've shared with other people, my, my dad had life insurance and I know the, the value of that because it allowed my mom to, you know, continue her life. And we weren't in a financial spot or anything with my dad gone. Um, and I know the value of that, but the, the value of my dad's letter and priceless. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you're humble like your dad, you're modest and humble as well. Um, I want you to share with everyone a little bit about, you know, you in college and post-college because, um, you are a standout athlete yourself. And I'm just curious about that experience, um, how that shaped you with your dad's guidance um, through the letter on your way to becoming what you have become now. 
Well, first of all, I was just a good high school athlete. You're very humble and modest about your, <laughs> yeah. your, your background. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, so, you know, after I graduated college with my uh, accounting degree um, and then started, uh, I ended up going to work for uh, a campus ministry, which I was not in the plans at all. But it was really my dad's letter and his death just put a new perspective on my life. I really wanted to serve other people and help other people. Um, but then it was, a few years ago, uh, so I have a six, four and 18 month old. And so, mm-hmm. uh, it was when they were younger and I was like, man, I've got to write a letter to my children. Mm-hmm. If anyone knows the value of the letter from their dad, it's me. Um, and then number one, I don't know when my last day on this planet is going to be. So I've got to have something written down for them. Second thing is I see the world that they're, that they're growing up in and all the messages that they're having to navigate with the internet, social media, all of that. And so I just want to be very clear about how I feel about them and uh, what our family values are. So I've got to write this letter and I'm looking at this blank sheet of paper, like how, like, what am I going to write? Like, Mm -hmm. it was very difficult. Mm -hmm. And so it was hanging over my head for the longest time before I finished it. And around the same time, there was two different people that came into my life, two different occasions where they both share a story with me about how they got a letter from their dad that changed their life. One of them was a guy who was 25. He gets this letter from his biological father who he didn't know that well as his dad had abandoned him. He had ended up having four stepfathers who had beat him and abused him. And his biological dad writes in this letter. And at the beginning, it says, dear son. And this guy's mm-hmm. name is Victor Marks. Victor is like, yes. Um, he was ticked. (laughs) He was like, who does this man think he is to say dear son? And so, uh, but his, his dad had, um, had a life change. He had actually become a Christian. And so, um, wanted to reconcile with his son and reached out to him. And this letter, Victor was initially, you know, okay, I'll check this out. Well, the letter started a whole new relationship with his dad and um, Victor's life changed because of this letter. And now mm-hmm. he's like, and it works for a nonprofit and is high risk humanitarian. And then another guy as well. So finally I was like, okay, I get it. I get what my calling is. Like, I've got to help more people get a letter from their dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got to be the ones to help dads write the letter. Uh, almost every dad I know, they say the same thing. Oh yeah, I need to write it. Especially after they hear my story, I need to write a letter. But then I check back in. It's like they haven't written it because they're all like how I was staring at that blank sheet of paper. What am I going to do? So that sent me on a doing a lot of research, looking at the elements of my dad's letter and creating a process um, and at the same time a mission. So a mission to help one million dads write at least one well-written, meaningful, lasting legacy letter. That's a mission right there. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what I've been doing the last couple of years. And you can imagine when I told my wife that <laughs> this is what I was going to do. And this is, she's like, so that's how you're going to provide for our family <laughs> and our three kids, like helping dads write a letter. And she didn't quite get it. And, uh, but I saw the vision yeah. in my head and I knew what I was, what I was called to do. And so we're yeah. making it. Yeah. Well, and you, I was just going to say a calling. You said what you were called to do. Like it's, it sounds like a calling that has been in the making ever since that tragic day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I met a guy um, like a year after my dad died and he's been my mentor the last 19 years, like while in college, I ended up going to work for him and he was really a godsend, um, really helped develop me as a leader. And I was talking to him this past year and he said, 
man, everything in your life has led up to this. He used the word convergence Mm. um, because uh, I learned how to lead small groups. When I was on a college campus, I was leading with a fraternity leader, different leaders on campus. And at the time, it seemed like a big deal. Um, But what I learned is, is people are just people. Right. Mm-hmm. And so now as I'm meeting with CEOs of different companies or I'm meeting with guys in the NFL um, or, you know, different people of influence, it's like people are people. It, it, it's no big deal. And then as I'm mm-hmm. doing some public speaking, I learned how to do that and having no idea that I was going to end up helping dads write a letter and be on this mission. Mm-hmm. What have you found about men through this process, the sort of the myths and, you know, the truths and the myths about men being in touch with their emotion, not wanting to express their emotion or feeling like they can't. Well, I, I do believe that men do not talk that much about their feelings or about their own dad, but I, when given the opportunity, they will. And so I lead a lot of small groups through my program. And one of the things we talk about is our own dads and how our dads have affected us. And I, I use the term father wound. Mm. And uh, I talk a lot about, um, I'll say, guys, you may not know what this is, but if I say, hey, you know, that girl has daddy issues, we all kind of know um, what we're talking about when I say that. But I said, at the end of the day, we all have daddy issues. Um, and so our fathers have uh, impacted us, and our, but none of our fathers were perfect. And so wherever our fathers came up short, um, they've left a little father wound. And so some of it's, it's bigger, some of it's smaller. Um, and in the same way, we are wounding our children. It's not on purpose. It's just, you know, right, it's unintentional. Right. Yep. And so this is part of what we're doing is we're writing this letter to help our children um, overcome those wounds and heal from them. And mm-hmm. we want to help those wounds become scars. But it's amazing as dads... Um, start talking about their own fathers and they really start opening up and sharing um, how their fathers hurt them and said mm-hmm. some words that really affected them. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen guys in tears as mm-hmm. they start talking about that. And it's really about getting in touch with the humanness, right? Because there's the positive aspects that we get from our parents and our fathers. And then there there's, there's, complicated things too. And sometimes things don't go well, or things can be like with, um, Victor Marx, right? A lot of loss, a lot of pain. And for those of you probably recognize, I mean, he is a, he's the founder of all things possible. He's a, um, former decorated Marine. He endured massive amounts of abuse as Blake has mentioned. And he is, he's a change maker. He's a humanitarian. I mean, he's just a, he has a calling too. And right. And so his life started with dads being very hurtful and yet there's still a healing part of the process of working through a letter and talking and thinking about your dads. Yeah. And the, you know, as you know, um, a lot of people that are doing really high impactful things, like they've been through something traumatic right. or maybe they were addicted. Um, mm-hmm. and so when you're in the middle of that, traumatic thing or in the middle of that addiction and you can kind of think, Oh man, like my, how in the world am I ever going to make it through this? But when you do make it through it and you do the work to get healing and to get free, I mean, I've told you before, I love being around people who have overcome addiction because they're just so authentic and real and vulnerable Mm -hmm. and they don't, they don't have anything to hide. Um, Right. Right. And so, yeah, there's definitely that something happens transformational when, when you go through something like that. 
So you have this, your mission, and you have several different ways of helping dads go through this process, which we'll talk Mm -hmm. about shortly. What can you tell us about the components of, in your experience, obviously these are hard to write, which is why the coaching is so helpful. What are the components that were the most impactful for you that you are now taking forward in your work? Yeah. So, uh, one of the things that I help dads communicate and, uh, it's the three things that I think every person wants to hear from their dad, which is, I love you. I'm proud of you. And I believe in you. Mm. And so there's something about knowing when your dad and your mom, um, love you and it's unconditional. It, it brings so much confidence and courage. I love the story that Kobe Bryant shared uh, about mm-hmm. a year before his death in an interview. Mm-hmm. But he said when he was 12 years old, he was playing basketball in a summer league in New Jersey and his dad had played in this league. His grandfather had played in this league. Like he wanted to do really well, but he shared that he didn't score a single point the entire summer. And he was so frustrated. And he said that his dad walked up to him at the end of the summer, put his arm around him and said, Kobe, I don't care whether you score zero points or 60 points. I'm going to love you no matter what. And Kobe said literally that was the best thing his dad could have ever told him because at that point he was completely freed up just to go for it. He couldn't fail. And so he's telling this story like at the end of his career, like after he's already retired, like, you know, that was playing through his mind as he faced difficult situations or as he was, you know, it's like, you know what? My dad's going to love me no matter what. And so I think if we can provide that for our children, that that's playing through their mind, because we know like right now our children are going to face hard times. I don't care who you are. Like there's going to be relationship Mm -hmm. issues. Somebody's going to break up with them or, you know, they're not going to, they're going to be going for some job that they didn't get. Like we're all facing difficult times, but if you have your mom and dad saying, don't worry, I'm going to love you no matter what. Mm -hmm. And you can make it through pretty much anything. (laughs) That that's huge. That's huge. That, that message that, it makes me think um, you are enough just as you are right now. Yep. You know, we have this yeah. world, right? This world that is so achievement focused and especially for our kids growing up in this era, like the intensity about there's just so much intensity and there's so much pressure on school and sports and peak performance. And it really unintentionally in most in most ways creates a lot of pressure like kobe felt you know that's a as as a premier athlete uh, to be but just in everyday life how we can tell our kids exactly what you're saying like you're great you're great as you are well and then the the i'm proud of you section of the letter is going along with what you're saying is so powerful there was a dad that i met um, in a coffee shop a few years ago and we, he was retired. He was like 65 years old and we just kept going at the same time. And so we became friends. And one day he tells me, he goes, Blake, and this man was very successful. He'd owned a company. Like I knew what neighborhood he lived in. But one day he tells me, he goes, Blake, I still find myself every day living to make my dad proud of me. He said, Blake, my dad died 20 years ago, but he still had this desire in him. I just want to make my dad proud. And his dad had never told him. His dad had never told him what it was going to take. And so through other conversations I had with this guy, um, I realized he did not have a good relationship with his own children and they weren't doing well. 
and I put it together, this man had neglected his own family in the pursuit of, we'll call it worldly success. Just at, and at the root of it, he was trying to make his dad proud. And so what I tell parents is we do not want our children wondering what's it going to take, mm-hmm. you know, and, and going through life like, oh, just trying to make us proud. And so we really want to be clear with them and affirm them and, and who they are and their unique gifts. And I also tell parents we, re- we want to focus on like who they are deep down, like mm-hmm. not what they've done. Right. Um, so they're <clears throat> There's one of the guys I was helping uh, write his legacy letter, Tim Delaney. He's vice president with Arizona Cardinals. Awesome guy. Awesome dad. He's got a 12-year-old daughter. And so we were talking about this as he was writing his letter. And so then the next day, his daughter brings home her report card. Mm. And she's Mm. made good grades and Mm -hmm. like normal. But he was remembering what I said, like affirming who they are. And so he calls his daughter over and says, hey, is I want to say, hey, I'm, I'm glad you made good grades. I'm proud of, you know, all these A's, but here's what I'm most proud of. And he pointed to the bottom of the report card where the teacher had wrote that she was kind and sweet to all of her classmates. And he said, this is what makes daddy the most proud. Uh, and so she started beaming and smiling yeah. and she walked away. And I said, Tim, she's going to keep doing that. Cause she walked away and said, oh, that's what makes daddy proud. Okay. I'm going to keep doing that. That's awesome. Uh, that, uh, that that encapsulates like if we could take that parenting, uh, take that uh, healthy parenting pill, whatever that is. And it's like to focus on who they are and highlight and praise the goodness, yep. not not the achievements. And like you said, like those things are important and we don't want to dismiss them and people work hard for them in some cases. Um, but we have to give them. I guess, put them where they belong in terms of ranking, in terms of what we are really trying to cultivate in our kids. Yeah, absolutely. And to really focus on the character that it took to get that achievement. There was a dad, his son is a, a, a plays college baseball and he's writing this letter to him. And there was a moment where he hit this game winning home run. And I said, man, absolutely. You can talk about this in the letter, but what you really want to focus on is you saw all of what it took to get to that point of hitting the home run. You saw him working hard. You saw him, there was moments mm-hmm. where he could have given up. He didn't give up. Um, and so focus on the character that it took because that's, what's going to carry with him the rest of his life. Yeah. Yeah. But, and then I don't, I, I hesitate to share this um, illustration, but it makes sense for me. And I know that people are way more complex uh, than dogs, but if you're going to train a dog, um, yeah, there's definitely moments where you have to correct the dog. Um, but if you're trying to teach the dog to sit, if it even gets close to sitting, you affirm it and give it a treat. And then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it repeats it. And so um, you have to you keep affirming it and giving it treats until it learns to sit, for example. Well, as a parent, man, it's so easy to focus on when our children are not doing well mm-hmm. and to point right. that out. It's right. like when I take my kids out to eat at a restaurant. Man, it's really easy for me to tell them, you know, hey, you were too loud. Be quiet. Stop running around the restaurant. Um, but also there's times when we take them out and they do really well. And I have to remember, hey, I got to affirm them for that. Like you did really good there. Repeat that. We have uh, three kids and um, when they and close in age and when they were young, going to the restaurant for a family dinner was 
usually a very not a great idea <laughs> I cite for all of those reasons right yep. <laughs> yeah um but your point is spot on right it's like in terms of being thoughtful and being mindful about what are we highlighting what are we praising what are we encouraging because those are the things we listen to with our parents whether we like it or not like we absorb that stuff so i love this 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 mindful approach the the other thing that really i felt in um learning about your dad and i also sense it in you is values um and you know so tell us a little bit about the value aspect of the values that you were given and what you try to and are going to be passing on to your own yeah one of the things that my dad valued and he wrote about in the letter was just just this idea of personal responsibility um he was you know absolutely like don't be afraid to ask for help and, you know, as far as this legacy letter challenge, like I've had so many people help me push this f- mission forward, but no one at the end of the day is going to come in and um, lead my family and be the dad that I need to be um, other than me. And so there's this idea of personal responsibility, like you can't just blame other people for your issues or, um, you know, you know, think that someone else is going to come in and save you. So um, that was one of the values that my talk- dad talked about. Um, my dad talked a lot about just, um, truth. My dad was a guy who loved truth mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, not just like bending with whatever the culture is telling you at the moment, but to really like know who you are and what your truth is and to follow that. And that was a big thing too, with my dad's letter was just identity and just like mm-hmm. who you are. And for us as, as a Christian family, I mean, our identity is in that. And so we're going to act out of that, which you know, that's one of the things I talk about, um, with dads is knowing who you are mm-hmm. and really being a great dad. It's not about creating this checklist of, okay, well, yeah, I got to make sure I spend, you know, this amount of time with my children and do this. It really starts with, okay, how, who do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a great dad? Because if you see yourself, if that is who you are, you'll just naturally be that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you're familiar with the book Atomic Habits, but it's one of my favorite mm-hmm. books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in that, he gives this illustration of two different guys who are trying to quit smoking. And he says, there's person A who, you, when you offer him a cigarette, he says, uh, you know, no thanks, I'm trying to quit. And then the person B says, no thanks, I'm not a smoker. And he said, I can tell you who's going to quit, person B, because person A still has the identity of a smoker who's trying to quit. But mm-hmm. person B, his identity is, no, I'm not a smoker. He'll mm-hmm. be able to quit. And so I'm daily trying to um, work on um, my identity of who I am. I have a little reminder in my calendar at 5 p.m. every day that says, what would the best dad in the world do right now? Because I'm the best dad in the world for my children. So what do I need to do right now? And it's just that little you know, mental reminder. Nice. Nice. And there is a beautiful picture that no one can see behind you of your family. Uh, (laughs) They are, are, they're awesome. And uh, man, like what a legacy, like what a legacy that you're, I mean, you are so much the person that you are in such a large part with the legacy that your dad left you. And also um, I'm imagining a pretty awesome mom also seeing how you turned out. Oh yeah. I have an amazing mom. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we put in the letter is just, you know, the words that I believe you, I believe in you. 
And so when you have somebody that, that believes in you, that, you know, if you're going to face the difficult times or, you know, whatever, like, like, no, I know that you're going to make it. And so for me, that was really my mom. And so there was probably about three different times in my life where my mom told me, Hey, I don't know what you're going to end up doing. I just know you're going to be successful. And you could say, oh yeah, that's just your mom saying that. But mm-hmm. my mom really believed it. <laughs> like, like I could just tell in her tone, like, man, no, my mom, my mom believes this. And so there's something about it when you have somebody like that, especially like your mom believing in you, that there was, there have been moments where I'm like, what am I doing with my life? And it's like, I don't know, but my mom said I'm going to be successful. So I'm going to keep chugging along. Mm-hmm. Just like I'm not, uh, I'm not a smoker. It's a, uh, I am successful. I am going to be successful. It is, it is a, it's a mindset. It's a yeah. mindset. Um, man. Okay. So I'm also interested in the block. So, so for people listening and people who, you know, start to like this idea and are inspired, but then the natural blocks that come up, the what ifs, the, I'm not sure. You know, what, what do you say to those folks who are experienced what I would say would be a natural, a natural response for many to writing the letter? Yes. That is natural and it is overwhelming to Mm -hmm. write it. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, what I tell dads is, man, our children absolutely need us. The most powerful voice on the planet is, is a father's voice and a mother's voice. And it is very noisy out there. Mm -hmm. And so we can't just throw our hands up in the air and say, oh man, like it's too hard. You know, uh, I don't know if I can get through to my children. Uh, it's like, no, we've got to do whatever it takes. And so one way to get through to our children, because we know that our children are facing decisions next week, a month from now, big, big decisions, small decisions. And we want to be the one influencing them. We want our voice being the one that's replaying through their head um, as they're making those decisions, as they're mm-hmm. trying to figure out who they are. Right. And even if you blocked everything on social media to where they can only follow their friends on Instagram, the research has shown when they're trying to figure out who they are and they're having to compare themselves to their uh, friends, uh, they're more than likely going to have issues like trying to, like it, it's not healthy to try to figure out who you are comparing yourself to your friends. It really needs to come from the parents. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, we've, we've got to write this letter, which I get it's overwhelming, which is why I created this process to really right. help you, uh, get the, get your thoughts from your heart to your mind to a piece of paper. And so I've got a blueprint to help guide someone through that process. You do. And so tell everyone about the different levels because you've created programs for, you know, that work for different people, um, searching for different levels of engagement. Yeah. So, uh, I've got the, the self-guided course. So I've got a dad's version and a mom's version. You can go to legacylettercallenge.com, sign up for that 147 bucks, um, 10 videos, go through at your own pace and, you know, different templates and letters to look example letters and promptings. Uh, and then I also do some live events. And so I've got a big live event coming up in a few weeks. And, um, so, uh, you can sign in and do a live event. Uh, so we've got our biggest one coming up in a couple of weeks. that will have several thousand dads from across the country. I do some for a lot of, uh, uh, leadership in different organizations. They'll hire me to lead them through a private group and I'll lead them through that. And then also I, 
I partner with a lot of businesses and uh, like financial advisors who provide my program for uh, their clients or for their employees. And, you know, to really show them, Hey, look, I care about you. I care about your family. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to help you write this letter. That's, and, and it's wonderful that it's being adopted um, in the mainstream world. I mean, you have that connection to sports, you have the connection to um, finance and business. And it really is, this is about health and wellness, right? Like this is, this is a whole, um, it's just a innovative and, and I don't even want to like that word isn't even right. Cause it's, it's not being done to be innovative, but it, <laughs> it right. Like this, you're being, this is led by your mission, but it is an innovative way of creating health and legacy for families for, for, and I, this sounds dramatic, but obviously it's for generations. This thing trickles down. Well, yeah, absolutely. And that's why I tell parents like you'll, your grandchildren, your great grandchildren will know what you stood like. You will be influencing them even after you're long gone. My my children who never got to meet their granddad, they know what my granddad stood for. And even this um, past year, my sister got married uh, for the first time. She's 36, and uh, she actually going into last year said, oh, "I don't think I'm ever going to get married." A few months later, she meets a guy at the company Crawfish uh, Boil, <laughs> and they few months few weeks later they're dating a few months later they're engaged and she calls me and says hey blake i want you to officiate the wedding Mm. Uh, it's on november 1st can you do it and i looked at my calendar and i saw that there was an arkansas football game that day which is where i went to school and i said i can't make your wedding i'm sorry there's a football game i don't miss those but i was only (laughs) (laughs) i was only joking but i was like seriously why did you do it this week yeah yeah (laughs) so i officiated this wedding and of course it was a very emotional week for me Thinking about my dad, my dad would have loved to have been there. My sister didn't get to experience my dad being there. But I was able to take words from my dad's letter and mm. bless and bring it into the wedding and bless my sister and her husband with my dad's words. And so there's when you, whenever you put your words on paper, mm. um, they become lasting. Yeah. Uh, and so absolutely, it's it it causes you as you to write this letter um, to really think about, OK, what is most important to think about your family and, you know, you're writing this letter for your children and it's going to impact them, but you're the one who gets impacted mm-hmm. first. Yeah, it, it goes both ways. It really yep. is a, a healing. I, I, I see it as a healing process um, to write that letter. And I, I'm wondering, do you, you have people who write them and then sit on them and then write them and then edit them? And then, you know, like they just want to make it just so perfect. Yes. And I, I tell, tell parents like, you can't make this letter perfect. (laughs) (laughs) It won't ever be. And so, uh, you've got to, you just got to finish one. Cause that's Mm -hmm. my mission is finish one. Now parents will go on and write multiple ones and, um, some try to do it every year or different transition points in their children's life, but you got to get something written down because you don't know when your last day is going to be. And yeah. so I say, just write a, a really bad, rough draft as your friend. Like, mm-hmm. Think about mm-hmm. it in those terms. Like, just go write that one. And yep. let's just say something was to happen to you and you have that written down. Your really bad, rough draft will be priceless to your children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and just to be clear, like, 
you know, I encourage parents to give the letter to their children sooner rather than later. And so a lot of parents will give it around like a birthday or like the end of the school year um, Mm -hmm. or, you know, when they turn 16, whatever, if there's a transition period around Christmas, something like that. Um, and so, you know, my dad wrote me that letter. He was going to give it to me that weekend. Like he knew his 19 year old son mm-hmm. needed him, needed his guidance. And so he yeah. was going to give me that letter it just so happened that I got it, you know, after he passed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I told parents, it's your letter. You can give it when you want, but yeah. it's yeah. so powerful. Let's get it to work now. Yes, Absolutely. Ah, such good stuff. Um, All right, Blake, it's time for the parent footprint moment question. Tell us about a time that you became aware of yourself as an individual, as a parent, or even an awareness of your own parents. And that new awareness had a positive impact on your life, your kids, and those you love. Yes, I was interviewing uh, last year a guy named Jeremy Pryor. And Jeremy's written several books on families. And, and in this interview, he starts talking about Jewish families and Jewish dads and how these Jewish dads spend a lot of time. Like he went over there and spent some time like in his 20s. And he grew up around Seattle and he had really no ambition to be like a great family man. And then he gets over there and see these Jewish dads like hanging around with the kids and just thinking like they have a different, a totally different view on family mm-hmm. and they're thinking about um, their grandparents, great grandparents, like they're telling these stories and, you know, as they're pouring into their children, they're actually also thinking about, Hey, as I'm pouring into my children, I'm pouring into my children's children. And it just completely changed their whole perspective on life. So as he's telling me this in this interview, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, yeah, that changes everything. <laughs> and, uh, and mm-hmm. so that, uh, really made me think about um, my family and think, man, it's it's way bigger than just trying to get my kids to 18 and graduating high school and out of the house. And even uh, this idea of like kicking your kids out of the nest and, and becoming empty nesters, like historically, um, that no one has ever used that term. It's actually kind of a weird term when you think about it, because when a bird kicks a kid out of its nest, like he's kicking the birds, kicking them out to either live or die. Like, right, like right. the parents, not the birds aren't involved anymore. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, as parents, man, there's still a role to be played even till the day I die. Mm-hmm. Um, even as my kids become parents one day, like I still have a role and, and especially, you know, early 20, all of that. I mean, they still need me. And so, mm-hmm. uh, it just changed my perspective on mm-hmm. family mm-hmm. and my life and what I want to give my life to. Uh, and so, uh, I started parenting differently after, after that yeah. podcast, the long view, yeah, like the, long view. the long view. Well, um, sitting with you, I just, um, although we're through a screen, I just, I just like feel your, like your presence, um, your, your purposefulness, um, your kindness, your compassion and, um, and you're living aligned with it, with, with this mission. I mean, this mission is so big, which we're all going to help you with everyone. One million, one million dads writing a letter. Um, and you know, really one million plus. Yeah. (laughs) One million plus. We'll just start with a million. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot of people out there and this will help all. Um, 
I yeah. had a NFL agent. Um, I was helping one of his players write a letter and then I didn't know this guy. He was an NFL agent and he challenged me one time. This is like last year. He's like, why are you saying only a million dads? Like there's like way more than a million out there. <laughs> I was like, man, when I said a million, I hadn't helped one single dad write a letter yet. So that number was pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's just the first marker. It's just yep. the first marker. But I will say this, you know, I really do believe as I have this, you know, really big goal, man, every dad matters, every la- yeah. every letter matters, every child matters. Yeah. Uh, and so I, yeah. you know, I do believe we can change the world by helping yeah. parents communicate these things to their children in a, in a lasting way. Yeah. But it's every single person that matters. Yes, 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 yes. Well, Blake, tell everyone where they can um, learn more about all your offerings and your events. If you go to LegacyLetterChallenge.com, which I know is kind of a mouthful there, LegacyLetterChallenge.com, and there's you can see the different things there that we have coming up, and you can sign up and start writing your letter. Start writing it. Blake, thanks so much for uh, sharing your story with all of us and the world. Um, it's uh, it is one of again, it's a it's a it's a tragedy for your loss, um, and it is one of hope and inspiration for um, what can come of it. And as you put it, the the lack of separation between life and death when we know that someone is so much a part of us and loves us so much. Appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. Well, everyone, you know what you need to do. You got to start thinking about that letter. Think about what's important to you. Think about your values. Think about what you are proud of with your children. Think about what you love about them and affirm it in them for who they are. As always, I will ask you to continue to give us your five-star reviews, share this podcast with everyone you think will benefit, which as far as we're concerned is everyone, and uh, continue to please bring amazing people to our community. Do your best to be the person you want your child to become and ask yourself the guiding question I ask myself each day, what footprint do you want to leave? This has been a Peters and Rossi production. Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan is produced by Laura Rossi. Our engineer is Phil Rossi. Theme music is Strummerman, composed and performed by ProTunes. Artwork is by Garrett Ross. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Parent Footprint Podcast and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Follow Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show.